listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of everyone, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, and for by sadness of countenance, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression makes the wise foolish, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. The patient in spirit are better than the proud in spirit. Do not be quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is as good as an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to the one who possesses it. Consider the work of God, who can make straight what he has made crooked. In the day of prosperity, be joyful, and in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that mortals may not find out anything that will come after them. The word of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Kurt, for that reading. So before we get in, um, I just have to share. Um, I talked to my dad on the phone yesterday. Uh, He lives down in Pennsylvania, and uh, it was cute. He was like, you wouldn't believe how cold it's been here, man. He was like, it was was 14 degrees on Friday. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Yeah, wind chill is negative 12 here. I win, Dad. Um, But... um, On a more serious note, before we get into this sermon, uh, I need to acknowledge something that's probably obvious, uh, but it really needs to be said. Um, I am probably one of the least qualified people in this room to speak on this text today. There are easily at least 20 of you in here who I would rather hear what you have to say in response to Ecclesiastes uh, 7 than what I have to say. Uh, I read this passage and I get it, I track with it. Um, The teacher is talking about death and loss. It is painful and provocative and raw. But I feel like I could could use another decade or two (laughs) under my belt of some real suffering to really understand what's being said here. Uh, That being said, it's my job. Uh, So so I'm going to do my best. Um, And I invite your grace with this one because... Um, I know that I have a lot more to learn on this front uh, than I do to teach. So, Grace, please. Um, 
Let's read this passage again. I found uh, this past week reading through this that every time I read this, it struck me in a slightly different way. So I want to give you all that opportunity. Um, Here it goes. I'm going to read it again. Ecclesiastes 7, beginning in verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of everyone, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of countenance the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot... So is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression makes the wise foolish, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. The patient in spirit are better than the proud in spirit. Do not be quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is as good as an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to the one who possesses it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what God has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that mortals may not find out anything that comes after them. The word of God for the people of God. Okay. I need a breath. There's a lot there, right? There is a lot here. Um, A lot of very heavy stuff. There's a lot of things said, especially on the front end of this passage, that feels completely backwards. Sorrow is better than laughter? Like, in what world? The day of death is better than the day of birth? What? But before we get too deep into any of that, though, um, the first thing I want to highlight in this passage for us is the artistry of it all. This is a work of art. Uh, We don't often think about the Bible as a work of art. I think for us, it's usually just words on a page. But this passage is a poem, first and foremost. And it's important to understand that. Because as an example of Hebrew poetry, this is pretty incredible. Uh, English poetry, the the poetry that we're all familiar with, is known for its rhyme and its meter, right? Like like our poems have sort of a sing-songy feel. Uh, Roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are you, right? Like that, that's, that's English poetry. Hebrew poetry is a little different. Hebrew poetry is all about wordplay and parallels, taking uh, often contrasting ideas, shoving them together, and seeing what happens. Uh, Hebrew poetry has a ton of puns, <clears throat> puns excuse me, and wordplays. Hebrew poets are painting pictures with language. And this poem is a wonderful example of that. Um, Take the opening line of this poem. 
A good name is better than precious ointment. That's a pun, you guys. We, we miss it in English, but uh, the, the, the author is being punny in this incredibly morbid poem. Um, <clears throat> the Hebrew word for name is Shem. Let me hear you all say Shem. And then the word for ointment is Mashem. Shem and Mashem. A good Shem is better than precious Mashem. It's a pun. You don't look that impressed. It's okay. It's okay. Um, here's another example. This one really spoke to me. It really struck me. And I got to say, it is hard. It's hard to explain poetry from another language. Like, you kind of have to read it and experience it, but I'm going to do my best. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 5 and 6. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. <clears throat> so much is happening in these verses. Um, verse 6, that crackling of thorns, it's literally the sound of thorns under a pot. So there's a lot of sound and hearing language in these verses. Um, you've got words like hear, song, sound, laughter. And the author is playing with the sound of the words. So like the word for rebuke uses some of the same letters as the Hebrew word for music. So like you could almost mishear that first line as hear the music of the wise. Then the word song, later in the poem, song of fools, is shayir. Let me hear you say shayir. And then the word for laughter is shahok again. Shahok. So the shayir of fools and the shahok of fools, you have to hear the sound of the words in these lines about hearing to see what the author is doing. Is this, is this tracking at all? Or have I completely lost you guys? I think we're about 50-50. That's good. That's a, I'll take it. <clears throat> I'll take it. And we are just scratching the surface, you guys. Like we could take an hour, no lie, and go line for line through this, through this poem and see every little pun, every little word play and turn of phrase. We're not going to do that because there's a potluck today, but we could. There's that much there. But I point this out to make the point that this is art. This is poetry. If you've ever made art, if you've ever created a thing, uh, maybe it was a poem you wrote or a song you played, uh, maybe you were in a play or you made something with your hands, painted, whatever, you know that the artistic process is its own kind of unpredictable beast, right? Like sometimes in the midst of creation, inspiration just takes over and the art you end up producing says something that you didn't even know it was going to say. I didn't intend to put these two colors together on the canvas, but man, once they mixed, it just spoke to me. Uh, I've written some poetry in my day, uh, mostly lyrics for punk bands I was part of, so, you know, poetry. Um, but I've written some poetry, and I can remember times when, like, I'd write a line and, like, I wasn't even sure what it meant. I didn't even know if I, if I believed it, really. It just fit really well. It flowed. I imagine the teacher of Ecclesiastes writing this poem and then taking a step back and saying, whoa, 
I don't know where that came from. I didn't even know I had that in me. I think that's the voice of God. I think that is one of the chief ways that God can speak to us through artists and their art. And what God has to say here in this poem is sobering. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. How can that be? How can the day of death be better than a day of birth? That sounds completely backwards. Uh, There's a gentler form of this line a little bit later uh, in verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. I think the idea here is that you don't really know a thing. You don't really understand a person and know who they are until you can view their life as a whole. Maybe you were born into wealth. Maybe you were born into poverty. Uh, Humble beginnings or nobility. That tells you absolutely nothing about a person. Their character, their potential, who they'll be, what they'll do. But once a person is gone, once you can pull back, zoom out, view the whole of a life, you learn a lot. You see the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, who this person was, who they loved, how they impacted the world and people around them. The day of death is better than the day of birth. It's almost more honest, more clear. It's also been said that you never really know how much you love a person until they're gone. God, that's a lesson that I don't want to have to learn. But we all do, eventually. Over a long enough timeline, we all learn that lesson. Here's another example. Verse 2. Sounds backwards. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. I found one translator who rendered this, it's better to go to a funeral than a frat house. (laughs) Personally, I'd have more fun at the frat house, I think. Um, But there's another layer here as well. Excuse me, there's more going on here. The phrase house of feasting is literally house of strong drink. So like that could be a party, a feast, right? The house of strong drink. Um, It could also imply a tavern or a bar, one of those establishments. Um, It could also imply a different sort of establishment. There's kids in here, so I I can't say, but um, (laughs) it it rhymes with truffle, if that makes sense. Uh, Parents, be good with that? Just move on? I'll move on. Um, But in times of loss, it is better to go and sit with a friend and mourn Grieve, process your loss. That's better than going to the bar down the street and drowning your sorrows until you don't feel a thing. It's like Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You're not going to find comfort in the house of strong drink. Might numb your pain, 
for a few hours, but it comes back. You need to grieve. You need to mourn. You need to heal. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of countenance the, house, uh, the heart sorry, is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. The teacher is getting at this uh, sobering reality that whether we like it or not, suffering is what forms us. It's what makes us. Um, it's what makes us wise. It's those times of, life, of loss and grief that we discover what we truly value who our friends are, who we are. We tend to operate at extremes when it comes to suffering and how we understand it, how we process it. Um, Some people in the church view suffering as just strictly evil, right? Like suffering is a result of human sinfulness, people exercising their free will to hurt others. That's that's one perspective on suffering. Uh, Another, the other extreme is to view suffering as something that is almost inflicted by God, right? It's like a punishment or God's way of testing us, refining us. I don't think either of those extremes is particularly healthy. And I don't think the teacher of Ecclesiastes lives at either of those poles. Instead, this poem seems to be imploring us to see suffering as a natural part of life. It's inevitable. It comes for all of us sooner or later. Suffering is painful. It's hard. It can shake our faith to the core. But if there's any word of comfort here, suffering is also hevel. It's vapor. It doesn't last. If you're suffering right now, you will get through it. It will get better. The sun will rise again. Of course, on the flip side, if times are good, if you're in a time of joy and comfort, that will come to an end too. So enjoy it while you have it. That's the perspective of the teacher. A couple weeks ago, we talked about um, open-handed living. It's kind of a theme that runs through this book. The teacher is trying to pry our hands open so that we can live in the world like this, with our hands wide open. It's a beautiful ideal. Of course, the problem with open-handed living is you can't keep your hands like this when times are good and then clench your fists again when times get bad. That's not open-handed. You try that enough, it will drive you mad. I think that might be what the teacher is getting at with verse 13. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what God has made crooked? We would love just a straight path through life. Smooth sailing from birth to death without all the bumps and the hardships, the ups and the downs. But that is not how life works. It's not how it's designed to work. Life is a gift. It's all a gift. The good, 
and somehow the bad. Life is its own complex work of art designed by the creator of us all. It contains darkness and light, good and evil, harmony and tension. And it's those mountains and those valleys that shape us into who we are. Don't drive yourself mad trying to avoid suffering. Don't try to make straight what God has made crooked. Don't waste what precious time you have pining for the good old days. Don't say, why were the former days better than these? It is not from wisdom you ask that. It's tempting to read this book and hear the voice of a pessimist, a cynic, so sad, down on life. When I read this poem, I hear the voice of a pastor who is trying to help us live in this world with grace and joy. The invitation is the same as it's always been, to live our lives with open hands, to depend on God and lean not on our own understanding, to practice the way of Jesus, and to pray that God is going to give us the serenity to accept those things we can't change, and the wisdom to navigate this life with all of its hardships and joys. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Let's pray. God, this is a hard text. It's a challenging poem. It provokes pain, but Lord, it also imparts wisdom. Help us to feel your presence in times of suffering, God. Help us to see you moving in our lives and in our midst, in the good times as well as the bad. Help us to lean on you, Lord, to trust you, and to draw strength from your love for us. We ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at Brockport FB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.